everybody. Welcome to the Street Hockey Life podcast. Um, just showing you, if you're watching on on the uh, broadcast right now, you can see a picture of uh, the Street Hockey Rink at Stage 4 Park in Blossom Mass. That is uh, almost the finished project um, product of what we created over the last five, six years now. Um, as you can see, uh, it's a beautiful view in Gloucester, Mass. Great place, great facility. And uh, it's been a, a dream come true to get this thing, get this thing functional. So um, that's going to be my backdrop at, um, in recording this, this podcast today. And uh, here I am. So I want to say welcome back to the Street Hockey Life podcast. It's been a little while since I've uh, done, done the podcast and I'll explain briefly as to why that is. Um, so today, uh, kind of back at it, trying to kind of share the story of how that rink behind me became to came to fruition, and uh, just sort of share what I've been up to over the last year, and uh, just a little bit of, a, of an announcement. My brother Danny is going to be kind of behind the scenes now, and um doing some of our uh back end media and with the street hockey life being more of editing these videos and um helping me with that and so he's very much part of street hockey life does one of the hottest working guys i know uh incredibly busy guy and you know he does so much for our organization does so much for me so um looking forward to him helping with this project on a back end Although there might be some times where you see him uh, pop in and say hello and do this. So uh, we got a couple of podcasts coming up uh, here in the um, in the next couple of weeks. Um, my wife, Erin, is going to be joining me to talk a little bit about our women's program. Um, but, but, but for this podcast, I've split it into two sections to sort of talk about uh, the rink and, and how this rink came to fruition. And the reason being is because ever since we started this rink project from – you know, towards the end of it, meaning it's actually starting construction to um, even in, early in the beginning, I was getting some calls and emails on what does it take to build a rink like this? Like, what do you do? Where do you start? And, you know, this is one project that I think for me personally, that I'm very proud of it in the sense that our team came together, we came together with the vision, we stuck to that vision, and we completed the project. So it's been a really exciting uh, time for us. So um, again, I apologize. I, I, I haven't I haven't been on the podcast. I think since last year. I think the last one we did was Detroit when we interviewed the people in Detroit. I haven't talked to them in a while. Um, I don't know where they are with building their rink, but uh, I can definitely talk a little bit more about uh, what we've been doing the past year. It's been really really busy. So, um, but today I, I'm going to focus a little bit on Young Legends, how this organization came to be. And then, of course, sort of the rink. And then um, part two is going to be more about, like, uh, the rink project and some of the obstacles that we faced and um, how we went about this. So this is definitely not by all means a, you know, <laughs> roadmap on how you build a rink. But it gives you some ideas inside on how this project started, why it started, most importantly, where it is today and where it's headed. So and a little bit more about the challenges of how we've been trying to build up programs. And things like that so and again thanks for tuning in i look forward to seeing you guys more often as always feel free to reach out to us at the street hockey life on our facebook page and um let's dive let's dive right in so um talk to you a little bit tonight about uh you know young legends itself so in in terms of the ball hockey community young legends is very young it's 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 in its infancy really but young legend street hockey was actually born in the summer of 2004 and the way it started was actually I was a call I was a finished up my freshman year of college uh, my college hockey career um, you know I had finished up my freshman year so I had three years left and at that time in my life I thought that I was going to go to medical school become a physician and practice medicine for the rest of my life and so which didn't happen um, but long story short. I knew that my career was going to come to an end sooner rather than later. And hockey has always been a major part of my identity. It's, it's something that I define myself on as being a hockey player, specifically an ice hockey player, right? So I was playing college hockey, and I'm like, how do I give back to the game that had given me so much? Because the game of hockey has really given me opportunities that, you know, so many things in my life have come from the game, um, like being able to travel and go to different parts of the world, going to different parts of the country, going to prep school. It was all because of the game of hockey. 
and of course having good grades too. But um, hockey was a huge part of my life. It was a part of my identity. And so when you, you don't want to give that necessarily up. So how do you give back to the game that's given you so much? And street hockey was uh, a part of that. But street hockey really was a part of my life even as a, as a kid. And there's a long-winded story on how these seeds for Young Legends was planted, but I'm not going to get into that for this particular podcast. Um, but what ended up happening was, is you know, I told my family, I'm thinking about starting a street hockey league for kids just to give, some, give, give something back to the game. They were incredibly supportive. And then in the summer of 2004, we launched it. And my original thought was like, okay, Young Legends Street Hockey, we're going to have 100 kids, no problem. Um, we're going to get 100 kids. It's going to be, I'm going to be overwhelmed with the amount of players. And that was farthest from the truth. Um, actually, it wasn't even close. It ended up being 35 kids, 30 to 35 kids, because not every kid came every week. And we had four teams, and I had a couple of friends. My brother, Danny, actually was eligible to play in Young Legends at that year, in that first year, 2004. But because he was a little bit older, and he would have been dominant. So he just ended up being one of our referees, and he helped coach, I think, in year two. So that was great. Um, But it, it started, and it started out very small, and we played on a basketball court. And that basketball court, I'm just going to take myself off screen for a second. That basketball court actually sat right in the middle of where that B is. Um, and it was about 92 feet by 54 feet across. And that's where Young Legends was born as eyes on a basketball court um, that was literally half the size of what you see in that picture if you're watching on the, on the Zoom call. Um, but basically, you know, it started off. And because I had played so many different summer leagues, summer hockey leagues, that I ended up uh, kind of crafting the league based on those leagues that I played in. And so basically what it was, it was seven regular season games, double elimination playoffs, and we had an all-star game. And because we had so few kids, half the, half the league made the all-star game anyway, uh, which, was, which was cool. And um, what I learned pretty quickly is watching these players is I realized that, okay, they could really use some off-ice skill development because a lot of the kids that played in Young Legends in those early years – and it's been like this forever, our ice hockey players. And if you grow up in Massachusetts, if you grow up in Gloucester specifically, it's, it's been known to be an ice hockey dominant. Ice, ice is king in, in the state of Massachusetts. It just is. Um, it's a very, very popular sport. And for young legends, I, when we when kind of was like looking at these players, their development, I'm like, okay, I can definitely help with their stick handling and shooting. I give them different strategies to help them. And so that first year, we offered a, a, uh, a small skill session. I think it was like five players that showed up, and we did a we had a little skill session clinic. And um, it, I I love that. I think I love that more than the actual gameplay situations. And you know, Young Legends has always had this model of fun development and competition, and that that's never really wavered. But the development piece really did evolve. So in 2004, we started off with 30 to 35 kids. Year two in 2005, it grew a little bit, and then we just kept with it. We just kept creating a vision for the long term. And then before I, before we knew it, you know, we had a hundred kids in the program, and um, we played in the summer months. So a lot of ice hockey players were getting a little bit of different skill development pieces um, that we incorporated as time was on. So like we incorporated a, uh, a mini camp. We incorporated a skill development session where kids would learn stick handling drills that they could do, passing drills, shooting drills, of course, scrimmaging. But then we even incorporated things like a strength conditioning workout. And even to this day, we do this. We still do a lot of this stuff. In fact, with the rink, it's only enhanced our ability to expand on these type of programs. So they still, like our league evolved as time went on. and, And just to add, like I said, more of that skill development piece. And, um, some years were better than others, meaning some kids really love skill development. Some kids just look at speed hockey and say, I'm going to go out there with my buddies. We're going to pass the ball around, try to score some goals, and that's it. And so be it. Um, but for some serious hockey players and ball hockey players, it's become like second nature that they're going to be at these skill development programs that we offer. So um, Young Legends has really evolved into a full-blown ball hockey league today, but that was with the addition of the rink. So how did the rink really come to fruition or how did it even become an idea that was? So when, when I first started Young Legends Street Hockey, when it first started, 
in the back of my mind, I had this idea that if Young Legends took off and it became very popular and kids really love playing street hockey, we might have the firepower to go to the city and say, hey, can't we build this rank? That was a long time ago. And, you know, I was 20 years old when, when we started Young Legends. And I really, I didn't know a lot. I sometimes still feel like I don't know a lot. I'm still learning quite a bit all the time. And what ended up happening with Young Legends, though, is in around 2018 is when this idea of the rink actually started to make some headway within our, within our team and our organization. But there's kind of a backstory on how the rink started. So if you have someone like me who has this idea that if Young Legends takes off, then we could possibly have a rink in the future. I knew back then that that would be way off in the future when my life was more settled and I was more, I would say short, secure, but more confident in my ability to, you know, convince people to do this type of thing. So, but what ended up happening was right around 2012, I actually went down to graduate school and Drexel University. I was, at that time, I was considering going to medical school and I was doing a post-bac program. I was studying all the time. And then I found out that I didn't want to go to medical school. So I, I kind of wasted about $20,000 <laughs> to go to something that I, that I didn't want to do. Um, but the reason why I said that is just when I came back from graduate school in 2013, um, some shifting had taken place in me and I had gone through some personal struggles. But when I left to go to graduate school, I left, we left the program in very capable hands. Um, Kyle Edmonds, who from the podcast, you've heard me talk about Kyle. Kyle's one of our head, he is our head referee. He's also a great friend of mine. And another person who has been instrumental in Young Legends is Ben Cola. So both Ben and Kyle grew up playing in Young Legends. They became coaches. Then they became board of directors. And they're just, they're just to this day, they're great friends with me and my brother. They're great people. They're well-educated. And so when I went to graduate school, they basically took the program over and ran it in that 2012, 2013 time slot. And um, they did a great job because they embody what the vision of Young Legends is. And they're also well-educated guys. They, they understand the game of hockey at very deep levels. And they've played hockey themselves. And they, they, just, they just understand the game um, sometimes much better than most, most, most people that I've ever met. Um, so Kyle, Kyle was running the sort of day-to-day operations. Ben was there to help making sure that the league was running. They were there all the time. So in 2013, another thing happened where Ben Chinkola decided that he was going to start a college slash high school level league, which was great. And he called it the Cape Ann Street Hockey League. And Ben at the time, um, he went to Northeastern College, Northeastern University, which is in Boston. And he played roller hockey there. And um, it really exposed him to a different variable of the game, you know, different variations of the game, excuse me. And he traveled down to Philadelphia and he played in different tournaments with Northeastern. And it just, it just gave him a different, you know, exposure on the league. Kyle had played high school hockey. And then after, you know, even during college, he was coaching young legends, but he went to Providence College, which is another big hockey school. But, you know, he himself is a very studious individual, very well-educated person. And like I said, he understands the game on very different levels. And he started coaching basically right out of college um, at the youth level. And so they were running, they were running the program and Ben had started this adult program and it did really well. In fact, Kyle, I think, I think Kyle won uh, the, the championship in that league. I'm sure I could find a picture of that somewhere online, but so Kyle and, and Ben, they played in this league. They're running the youth division and another person involved in the league grew up and actually has been on the Street Hockey Life podcast, Anthony Shimataro. Anthony grew up playing in Young Legends. He played for me specifically and so did Ben. But Anthony started playing in that league and Anthony was going to St. Anselm's or starting to go to St. Anselm's around that time. And he had a school project where he had to write a proposal uh, to solve a problem and then create a solution. And one of the things that, you know, since he was in playing in that league, he started to realize that if you have a youth division and then you have this upper division, there's no rank for anybody to play in. So Anthony crafted this proposal. Um, and actually, to be honest with you, I've never seen the official, like the finished document. I only have basically his rough draft. So I don't even know what he got on. <laughs> I don't know what he got a grade on that project. I don't know. 
But basically, Anthony gave me um, a part of that project, and I kept it. And at the time uh, that he gave it to me, I, I really wasn't ready to take on this project. And as an organization, we weren't ready. And I kind of call it the lost years, that 2015, 2015 year. It's kind of like um, Ben and Kyle done a great job with finishing up 12 and doing 13. And, um, but for me, like I, I kind of wasn't sure where young legends should go. I didn't know where the status quo should go. Um, I really had no idea. And what ended up happening is, is in 2015, and I say the lost years, I mean, the lost years for me is like, I wasn't really there a lot. And, and I wasn't there a lot in 13. And even in 2014, I wasn't, these guys were running the program. They were running the show and I was just kind of there at times. Um, that's what I mean by lost years for, for me and trying to figure out. So I went through some of the soul searching and right around 2015, 2016, I started to figure out like, what does young legends mean to me? Where, where do we go? Like, do you keep the status quo or do you, do you evolve? And we started to notice that our numbers were starting to drop off a little bit. And I was like, okay, if, if our numbers are dropping off, that means interest is kind of dwindled, but it's also comes back to you and it comes back to me specifically. Am I not, do I need to re, reinvent the program? Do I have to put more energy into it? What do I need to do? And so um, I started to think about like, well, what does Young Legends mean to me? And think about it. I mean, when you start a program at 20 years, when you're 20 years old and, and now you're 35 years old and it's, it's been around for 15, 16 years, it becomes a part of you. And you try to figure out, okay, so your numbers are, your, your numbers are going down a little bit. You haven't really been involved in the day-to-day -day stuff. What do you decide to do? And I started sort of talking to parents and, you know, the vibe of the, the vibe from parents was like, it's young legends is a fun league. It's great for the kids. It's, they're not being yelled at by the coaching staff. They're not being, you know, they're, they're being encouraged to try their creativity, things like this. And that's something that you never want to go away from. Those are really positive attributes, but you do have to evolve if you want to stay in, stay in business for the long term. And obviously baseball, lacrosse, baseball has always been around, but lacrosse was something that kind of came into the picture. You know, I couldn't even tell you gloss lacrosse has a program now. So now young legends is competing with these programs. Either hockey, as you know, is a 12 month a year sport. Kids play hockey 12 months a year now. So how do you how do you say relevant? And so what we ended up doing is taking the ideas, Anthony, you know, Ben, Kyle, my brother Danny, and my sister Candace, everybody on this team, you know, how do you reinvent young legends? Like what do you do to change the status quo? How do you evolve it to make it more relevant again? And the idea of the rink was born. So in 2018, um, Young Legends became an official nonprofit organization. We formed a board of directors. Um, a lot of the board of directors were guys that had been a part of our management team for years anyway, so there wasn't much of a transition there. We brought in a guy named Brett Souza, and we officially gave a spot to someone named a guy named Cody Toko. Both of these guys are great guys, understand Young Legends to a T. Uh, Cody Toko was actually a guy that actually played in 2004. He got the game-winning goal for the Maple Leafs, and he's been a great friend to me. Brett's been a great friend to me. So um, our team has always been uh, pretty pretty close. And when we talked about doing the rink, we kind of like, well, how do you go about doing this? Like, where do you start? And what ended up happening was in 2018, we become a nonprofit. Um, the basketball court that we were playing on <laughs> was deteriorating it it was literally forming a crack i mean i have pictures from it in 2004 versus what it was in 2019 it looked very different um the paint on the basketball court was basically all gone um especially at the center court and what we decided to do is we're like if we do this rank like where do you start what do you do you know you you obviously you're a nonprofit organization you don't have a lot of money um, when you only run one season and that was a summer program so what we did is um, we first went to this, we first went to city council and we, we just asked if we could go and do a presentation and they graciously agree before that in the summer of 2018, two things happened, uh, excuse me, winter of 2018, would be winter, the new year, 2018, January, two things happened um, because young legends only operated from June to August, 
I never checked my Young Legends email from literally from till the season ended from September to January. I just, I didn't need to. What had happened though is in September of around 2017, I got an email from one of the DPW directors and he asked me if I'd be willing to come to a meeting about a gentleman or a donor who wanted to repave the basketball court. And um, I never saw that email till January. So I responded when I saw it in January and I said, you know, it's interesting that you sent me this because we're thinking of making this a rink. We're, we were thinking about maybe trying to convert this into a rink. And so um, the DPW director got back to me and says, yeah, it never, it never matriculated anyway. The person wasn't going to donate to have it repaved anyway. So, um, so anyway, uh, what happened in January of 18 is I had a conversation with my dad. And my dad is, a, is an engineer by trade. He's an electrical engineer. But he's also a guy that has built – my parents have a, a house in Maine. Um, he designed that built. He designed that house. You know, he, he just is excellent um understands understands architecture to another level that he, both him and my brother are engineers i'm not just so everybody knows i'm not i work in finance as my day job but i i'm also more i'm more of a people person and um but they they can structurally see things and just brilliant guys both of them so i got talking about like dad you know we don't we need to start this project we're thinking about doing this project you know but we don't know where to start no idea where to start you know we need drawings we need we need all kinds of things and he said yeah you know it sounds like a great idea and over the coming months, he went to the basketball court and actually started taking measurements and started to put on paper drawings of what the basketball court, what the dimensions were. And really, he was the one that started that kind of those drawings. And he was a great advocate, um, great advocate to have because he had such an interest in it, which was great. So fast forward to 2018, our board is forming. We're talking about, okay, where do we start? You know, what do we do? How do we go about doing this? What does the rink look like? All these different things. And in 2018, we went to the city council and we talked about, basically we just did a presentation. We said, you know, we're Young Legends Street Hockey. I say ball hockey because that's what we are now. We're Young Legends Street Hockey where we've been using this basketball court for, uh, at that time it was, I can't remember, you know, 16, 17 years. And it's deteriorating and, you know, we've, we're looking to potentially build a rink. You know, how would we go about doing something like this? And we got a really good response from the city council. They were like, oh, this sounds like a great project. We've never heard of Young Legends. We didn't know this existed. And um, sounds like a great idea. And one of the city council members uh, told us that, you know, if you're going to raise money for a project like this, you might want to start with a what they call a Community Preservation Act, which is a CPA grant, which is basically – it's state-funded money that goes to the city, and then the city disperses it to an organization to fix up, like a park rex. Um, CPAs are used for like housing and uh, historical places, and it's very, very popular in Gloucester because there's many things that you know. There's many historical sites that need money to help fix up their places and things like this. So that was the first thing that we sort of looked into was a CPA CPA grant. Um. So once we got sort of an idea, we realized that we had to talk to the DPW. We would need to talk to the mayor's office. And fortunately, Danny, would, if he was here right now, he would tell you that we didn't get a lot of pushback. Uh, we actually got a lot of encouragement saying, yeah, if you guys want to do this, you're, you're welcome to do it. And so what we did is we kind of had full autonomy. And what we did is the research really started. So you can ask my wife, Erin. I dragged her to Milik, uh, oh, in Winchin and Mass. We went out there. We looked at their rinks. Um, mind you, growing up in Gloucester, you know, there's not a street hockey rink anywhere near Gloucester. It, does, it just doesn't exist. Um, the, the closest rink that I ever saw was Lemonster. And I saw Lemonster by Fluke Lock. Um, I went to a Catholic school called Austin Prep my eighth and ninth grade year and I was playing hockey and we played a team that was out of Fitchburg, uh, St. Bernard's or St. Bernard's. I'm not sure how they pronounce it out there, but we called it St. Bernard's and <clears throat> excuse me, going out there on a day. I remember it was a beautiful sunny day, went right past Lemonster and I'm like, Oh, that's cool. They're playing street hockey. And that was the first time I'd ever seen what a street hockey rink looked like. Cause like I said, um, the only other time I've been on a street hockey rink was at Hockey Town, which a lot of people know about Hockey Town. It's a, it's in Saugus, Mass. It's it's a dual rink, and then it has a street hockey rink up above it. Um, 
if you talk to some people that play there, they'll, you know, this is John Bacard for those who know him. Uh, John's a great, a good friend of mine. And John, John, you know, says that that's where COVID goes to die is hockey town actually, because it's such a dump in there, but it's still a great, it's a place where you can play hockey. So to me, it's, it's a great place to go and play. Um, and our winter session is right there right now. So they've been great to us. <laughs> but yeah, John has some great lines about hockey town. But uh, when I was a kid, I did this hockey camp and out back they had this street hockey rink that had this bubble dome. And uh, I remember going in there and we did dry land training. And it was awesome. I was like, this is the best. They had, they had a tile in there. It was great. And so, but Lemonster was my first real, like seeing what a real outdoor rink looks like. But the research started, and, and basically we visited Lemonster, we visited Pittsburgh, um, we even went down as far as Swansea, saw, saw Eddie, Eddie Costas rink down there, and um, just spent time, you know, Googling rinks, going to different rinks, and reading up on surfaces, studying surfaces, and studying the boards. And what's interesting is when we first actually designed and and designed the rink. We originally designed the rink to be 140, 140 feet by 72 feet across. And the reason why we did that is because we knew that our program was predominantly for kids, for nine to 14 year olds. So we figured we had started to see like the ISBHF and seeing the national teams compete in a 200 foot by 80 playing in a real ice hockey rink. And so we were like, we don't really need a rink that big because, you know, our kids, you know, kids are probably, you know, they don't need to run 200 feet. So my dad went to work. He drew out the rink by hand um, using the dimensions, which was instrumental. And <laughs> in true Young Legends fashion, we basically said, all right, we've got a rink design. We, we, we got quotes for boards. We got quotes for tile. And we used, we had three board manufacturers that we looked at. Um, you could say even four. Uh, and I'm not going to share the vendors right now. Um, but we had three tile manufacturers that we, we, we looked at. And it was a lot of research. Like I, I remember making pros and cons lists for each vendor and sharing that with our rink team and going over that so many times with our team to the point that guys would shut off meetings because these the, the immense detail is how lost we got into the stuff. Um, so <laughs> what we did is we, I, I personally spent time writing a grant proposal to the CPC committee, the Community Preservation Committee in Gloucester. And I submitted this, this grant proposal. Now, mind you, <laughs> it was for a 140 by 72 foot rink with an idea of what the boards and tile were going to cost, but not finalized in any sense of the imagination. So um, we got $100,000 from that original grant. Now, before that, we did raise some money from a local bank, gave us $5,000 that to this day, we still honor that. Um, their, their bank logo goes on the boards, uh, Bank Glosser. And then um, another group, <clears throat> the Glosser Fishman Athletic Association. Um, one of one of their board of directors was a, was a woman who her son played in Young Legends. knew me had worked. Her son had worked out with me in the in a program that I was running. Um, she was a fan of the program, liked what we were doing, and talked to this this Glosser Fisherman Athletic Association. And they gave us ten thousand dollars. So right off the bat, we had raised about fifteen thousand. And what's funny about all this is that we had estimated the cost of the original design of the rink to be about $150,000, which <laughs> was, when I look back on this, when I share with you what the actual cost of this rink is, you'll, you'll, you'll be shocked through the evolutions of this design. So we had actually raised about 115000 120000 Young Legends had, was putting in money of our own based on our programs and some fundraising stuff. And... Um, in 2019, uh, we didn't get the grant until 2019. And what ended up happening in 19 is that I started to do, I started to get really interested in the ball hockey community. And I came across, like I said, the ISBHF. Uh, we had gone to the Milet Cup. My Aaron and I, my wife and I, we had gone to 
violent cup to check that out. And, um, we brought our kids and I did a Facebook live of the Milik cup. So people could see the rink, by the way, I have a great relationship with Milik, great people out there, uh, Anthony and Ricky, great people. And, um, we got some ideas to say the least. So in 2019, because of all this exposure to the ball hockey world and realizing that it was very big, it's not a small world. It's a, it's, there's a lot going on within it. I had actually reached out to the ISBHF who referred me to USA ball hockey. And, um, if you guys have watched my old podcast where it's just me, um, interviewing other people before Danny jumped, before it was a street hockey life, uh, I had interviewed Corey Hurst and, um, Corey, Corey, uh, Actually, it was Chris Banks that reached out to me and says, you need to talk to Corey Hurst. So basically what happened is the ISBHF referred me to USA Ball Hockey. And then Chris Banks told me to talk to Corey. And Corey and I got on the phone one day and talked for about an hour and a half. It, we could have probably talked all day. But Corey said, you know, he was telling about the rink design. He goes, you know, Kyle, you might want to consider going to 160 by 80 just so that you can have national events and have a AAA, you know, AAA rink. And I said, okay, good to know. So mind you, now we have money to build 140, you know, 140 by 60 by 72 foot rink. And I go back to our team and I say, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, and I actually took at the time I was living up in New Hampshire. We, my wife and I, we live up in New Hampshire with our kids. And there was actually a small street hockey rink right by my house that I could literally walk to. And I went there with my dad one day and because he had come up to visit with my mother. And um, we went in there and it was, we measured it. He literally, he re- we measured it together and we found out there was about 135 feet. And I'm standing in there. And I'm like, dad, I don't, I don't think, I don't think this is big enough. I don't think 140 is big enough, especially if we have adult leagues, um, especially if we're going to have adult leagues in there. I don't think, you know, I don't think we're going to fit adults in there. This is, this is kind of small. So after talking to Corey, after seeing what 140 would look like, made a decision. I went, Back down, I went down to the DPW, had a meeting with them. I said, listen, guys, sorry, I think I think we need to go a little bigger, 160 by 80. And they were like, well, if you do that, you can do it. It's just remember, it's more money. And uh, I, I remember laughing and saying, yeah, you're absolutely right. But they said, with, with all fairness, if you want to do this, you can't. So I went back to our team and we went back to the drawing board. And my dad went back to work and made a new drawing, 160 by 80. And we actually ended up having to consult with a civil engineer because now you're uh, I'm going to take myself off camera again and show you show you the rink here. Um, <coughs> by the way, this drone shot is from a guy named Glenn Gallagher. Glenn's a great guy. He's He's been doing some work with us for this drone picture. But what you'll see is on the side where, um, not the parking lot side, but the side, you'll see this, what they call a riprap wall. And I don't have any comparison pictures, but I, I'm trying to do something on Facebook that would show you the development of it. Um, but basically what ended up happening was this riprap wall, we had to build up that side because there was actually a slope there. Um, and, uh, we had to rebuild that, um, for the purposes of, like I said, it was a slope. So that wall right there alone, leveling this whole area off that was sloped as you you can't really see it from this picture but where that riprap wall is it's actually a pretty big slope downhill that leads to the little league field um in the winter time that becomes a really nice little uh sledding area for for kids and adults it's, it's an awesome so as you can you can't really tell from this picture but there's actually a pretty steep slope that goes back there um so that cost a lot of money so with the redesign of the rink that added, you know, you're going bigger, you're going, um, that's more, that's more material, right? More tile, more, more boarding, everything. So what ended up happening was, um, the cost went from, <laughs> you know, 150,000 to, you know, say 400,000. Uh, so now you got to raise more money and you have to find a way to find more money. So, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop there about the fundraising and just say that when it came to the 160 by 80, it really changed. Not only literally changed the landscape up up where this rink was going, but it also changed our plan for how we were going to fundraise. And um, 
that was a pretty special change of events when we when we when we did that when we when we made the change and that actually came fairly late in the process because like i said we had already designed one rink so fast forward to 2020 um my brother and i did a couple of things uh over the course of the the fall of 2019 my dad was instrumental um in 2020, we had known that we had known that we had secured about 120,000 towards the ring, and the Bruins had always been our radar, mostly because we're Bruins fans. But they had given money to a rink in Athol, Massachusetts, which is in the Lemonster, Fitchburg area, but it's still it's still out there. And so, in 2000. 20 in January, I reached out to the Bruins directly. And the reason why I'm keeping this picture of the rink up is the Bruins did come through and they gave us a hundred thousand and we agreed to put their emblem on, on the rink, which is why it's dead center in the middle there. And we have a great relationship with the Bruins foundation and the Bruins organization. Um, they gave us pallets of equipment a couple years ago. And then of course the big money that went towards the rink, that was, that was huge. So always grateful for the Bruins Foundation. What I wanted to share with you, though, is in January of 2020, we were given a chance to give a presentation to the Bruins Foundation. And when people ask me, like, how do you go about doing something like this? How do you do a project like this? You have to be willing to get outside of your comfort zone and just literally flat out ask people. Tell them what your vision is. So what I did is I can't remember. I reached out to, I basically sent a proposal. I didn't even send a, I sent a proposal. I sent like an outline of our league and our ideas to the Bruins Foundation. Literally sent them. But before I did that, I actually just sent them an email and said, hey, listen, we're a nonprofit youth, youth program, street hockey program in Gloucester. Would you be willing just to take the time to hear us out? Just, just can we give you a presentation? And they responded with yes, which is great. So it was the hardest meeting for me to schedule because when I told our team that we were going to meet with the Bruins, everybody wanted to go, which is who wouldn't want to go. So we picked a date and I took a day off from work. And I think it was a, I think it was a Thursday or Friday, um, and literally like seven to eight of us went into uh, into Boston, and we met Bob Sweeney of the Bruins Foundation and Mike Dargan of the Bruins organization. Mike Dargan's a great guy; he's the guy that um, he does their youth outreach program. Uh, he's their director. Great guy. Mike knows a knows a ton about the game as well. Just a great guy overall. And Bob, I can't say enough good things about Bob Sweeney. I'm going to share a story about Bob in a second, but, um, but I remember, <laughs> I remember driving into Boston, and I re I remember being so excited to do this meeting, and I can re I can remember my dad and I parking off, and I can't remember where we parked now. It's terrible, but I remember taking a turn up Causeway Street, and if you, if you know Boston. Causeway Street is right right next to the garden. There's restaurants, bars, everything right there. The Bobby Orr statue is right off Causeway Street. And I remember walking down Causeway Street and I see our team waiting for us, waiting for me, waiting for my dad, and they're all ready, ready to go. And um, you know, we had no idea where to go, by the way. We just told told to go to this building. We had the address, just go there. We had no idea where to go. And before that, um, I had put together a stack deck uh, or a PowerPoint presentation. And those that know me know that when it comes to PowerPoint presentations, I'm not a huge PowerPoint presentation guy. I don't care for them. I'm more of a talker. I just tell you sort of what my ideas are. But, you know, we agreed that we would go in with a stack, with a deck. So with a stack deck here. So um, before that meeting took place, I had sent the, the deck to my sister Candace, who was our marketing deck director. And um, Candace is a director in investor relations for a pharmaceutical company. So she knows 
how to make slides. She does it for a living. And so Candace got back to me and she goes, yeah, I added some things in here and I think we should really focus on Kyle Edmonds. And the reason being is Kyle Edmonds had started out in Young Legends as a, as a, as a nine-year-old and now as a board of director. And just having showing that, that Young Legends has been along for a long time and showing that we were in for it for the long term. So there was one slide that my sister was like, I really don't think you should put that in there. But it was getting towards a witching hour. And she said, all right, just leave it. But what this deck was, what this deck was is it showed like it had a bunch of words on it. And it showed everything that Young Legends offered. Mini camps, skill development, all this stuff. Just a huge mess of wording. It really was an ugly slide. I broke every rule that you can you can do in a slide, and um, I went. We went in. We went into the meeting. We went, we did it. So I had to email a, a woman by the name of Amanda, who was our contact person for the Bruins. It would end up being the administrator, administrative assistant to Bob Sweeney of the Bruins Foundation. Bob's the president, by the way. So. So anyway, she goes, yeah, just go to the main office and then someone will come down and get you. And we're down there. We're all together in this group. You know, we're, I'm actually fairly nervous. And here comes Bob Sweeney. And I know Bob Sweeney because I grew up watching him play for the Bruins. And I, my dad had this video called uh, Reach for the Stars. And it featured, it was one of those highlight reels, highlight, highlight reels, like when a team wins a Super Bowl, they win a the Stanley Cup, they do a, you know, like a year-long highlight video. And um, Bob Sweeney was on this video. He scores a hat trick at it. And, it's, you know, I can still to this day, I can hear the hear the, the announcer saying Bob Sweeney scores a hat trick. And then here he is. He comes right in front of me. And I'm like, you know, this is a, this is a guy that I grew up watching play. And I, I don't know if the word star, starstruck was there, but I think I was a little intimidated. I'm like, you know, this guy played at a level that I never achieved and never even sniffed. I mean, I played college, but I was never at, this, never at his level. And the one thing that I was like, man, he's really tall. Man, is he tall? And I'm like, no wonder why I never made the NHL. Look how big this guy is. And if you guys, some of you have seen me in person, I'm not that big. I'm probably five seven on a good day. I'm a little wider than I want to be right now, you know. But um, that's for another another day. Um, so Bob says, "Hey guys, welcome." You know, there's a lot of you. So he brought us upstairs. We got a conference room, and uh, all the whole while I'm like, I can't believe this is Bob Sweeney. I can't believe how tall this guy is. And he was so he was such a nice guy, so classy, so respectful. Um, just such a down-to-earth guy. I can't stress that enough. So anyway, we get in this beautiful conference room. Um, what the Bruins have done is they've they've built up this. It's it's beautiful nowadays. It's very different from what you know when I was a kid seeing the old Boston Gardens. It was uh, Boston Garden, excuse me. But they have, basically have these offices that you go into. So we go up and we go in this beautiful glass conference room. There's TVs, and uh, we're like, yeah, we got a stack deck, and you know, my brother software engineer tech guy we literally could not get the stack deck loaded to this beautiful <laughs> to this beautiful conference room table that projector we just could not get it set up so finally danny's working on it and there was introductions so finally we we get it danny got it done and uh, bob was making some jokes along the way and we got to uh, the deck and we're telling him what young legends is and <laughs> The slide that I just mentioned earlier appears, and I'm like, "Okay, here we go. This is this this is it. This is the slide." And um, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing. It's to this day, I may, it makes me laugh. So I'm like, in this part of the presentation, I'm like, "This is my bread and butter because this is what Young Legends is. This is the, what it's been my. This is what it's been my life. You know, my half of my life that I've been doing. This is what it is. This, this is what our program is." So I'm basically not. I if you ever guys, if you ever know me. Whenever I do presentations and there is a PowerPoint, I'll never read off of it. I hate. I don't like people that read their PowerPoint presentations. Sorry if I'm insulting you, but I don't. I don't like it. I. I can. I personally can read it. Be the person in front of me. Don't be the robot reading. Just tell you know. I like to see people's passion. So I didn't even have to look at the slide. I could just tell Bob exactly what the slide meant. And I said, "This is Young Legends in a nutshell." And we get down. We get. We get done with. He gets done reading the slide. And he looks at me, and then he looks at his assistant, and he looks at Mike Dargan, uh, who was also in this meeting, and he goes, "Amanda, we got to get a copy of the slide." So, um, <laughs> till this day, we, my my sister and I, my brother, we all laugh at this because that slide was questionable, and he absolutely loved that slide. And I and I cannot tell you guys enough. I broke every single rule you can in a PowerPoint presentation. 
So sometimes breaking rules does help, but I wouldn't suggest it all the time. But Bob, to this day, I think Bob still has that slide. At least we did. We did some. We, he definitely still has that 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 PowerPoint presentation. So um, we left that meeting. We didn't leave with the hundred thousand that day. It was just an introductory meeting. They were very grateful. They said, "Keep in touch." Um, we did score some uh, some some street hockey equipment that the Bruins organization, Mike Darting, did give us that. We still have it. We, we still use some of it, too, for our kids. Um, and to this day, very, very grateful. So that's that's one of the things that is that forever will be a part of um, one of my favorite times is going to Boston with our team. And after that, even though we didn't get the money that day, um, we had dinner on Causeway Street. Um, the Bruins played that night. Some of our guys went to the game, which was great. I'm glad they did. They you know, I'm glad they got it, got to experience that. And um, it's something that I, I think, you know, when you, when I started Young Legends, that's one of the things that I, I never thought would be possible is the amount of, um, the amount of friendships and the amount of, you know, where the journey takes you. Sometimes that's the most fun is the, is the journey. And that is forever a favorite memory of sitting next to my brother, my dad, my sister being there. Um, Cody, Brett, Kyle, um, Ben would have loved to have been there, but you know he he lives down in Florida, so he would have we would have had to call him in, but it, it wouldn't have been we couldn't even get the the slide deck to to um, to go. But uh, that was a great day. Um, can't share all the details of some of the you know things that went into that meeting, but um, that's definitely a story that I can that I can share, um, and uh, it's forever. Uh, great memory. Um, in the months ahead, most people will always remember 2020 was the year of COVID. Um, after that meeting, about two weeks later, I got a phone call from a donor, a potential donor. And um, unfortunately, that never matriculated because the meeting that was supposed to happen never took place uh, because the country went into lockdown. And so um, over those months of COVID, um, we did. We tried to do a lot of stuff online. Actually, that's when I started doing um, the original Young Legends podcast, where I was. I met with like Bobby Hauser, Corey Hurst, um, uh, some other people, local people that I thought were really good influences and good mo role models, and um, had a great time chatting with them. And uh, it was just what we were trying to do with Young Legends. We were just trying to be a bright light in the dark times. Um, and that, that's always been our mission, is to always be a bright light for people. And uh, that's something that I'm, I'm still to say I'm very proud of our team for sticking together through all that time. Um, our board meetings, sometimes we wouldn't even we wouldn't even talk about young legend stuff. We would actually just we just get together and talk because uh, some of our guys were, you know, feeling the sting of being home and being in basically in lockdown. You know, that was a that was a tough time for a lot of people. So um, we even went as far as doing, um, we did on uh, online virtual workouts for our youth players to do that and uh, give them stick handling things that they could do at home. And, um, like I said, I'm very proud of our way our organization responded during that time because it was it was a dark time. In fact, in 2020, um, we almost didn't have a season. And this is something that we preach at Young Legends. It's about being being adaptive. And what ended up happening was we we weren't going to have a season because the city of Gloucester was like, you know, you can't – hockey was like a prox, in close proximity sport. So anything in close proximity you couldn't play. So what we did is I just randomly one day on Facebook saw that there was a group in Montreal that literally had drawn chalk lines on their rink and basically created bubble hockey. Remember bubble hockey where you're, you know, your guys stayed in your lane. So what we did is I, I went to the city, to the DPW, I said, hey – if we make these chalk lines, would it be okay for us to have our season? And uh, if you go on our Facebook page, you'll see in 2020, we literally had kids with masks on playing street hockey in lanes, and they could not. They literally played bubble hockey. And um, it was a tough year. It was a tough year for everybody. I don't, I don't have to go back to, to live through some of that with you guys. But, again, we wanted to be persistent. We wanted to be adaptive and show – that we could do stuff like that. And, and um, again, that's why I'm proud of our team and our organization. I know Kyle at that time, he was, you know, 
running the day-to-day stuff of the league, you know, he wasn't even sure if we should do that, you know, and um, he probably even to this day probably feels like we shouldn't have done that, but um, it was definitely something we wanted to keep playing and keep doing. So um, it was, it was a, it was a pretty special time uh, to do that. I do feel like some kids really missed out on, uh, on one last hurrah on that. So, but anyway, so as far as the rink, COVID just allowed us to sort of kind of, I guess, redesign the rink a little bit, finalize some plans. But other than that, we weren't fundraising. We didn't, we didn't feel it was necessary to ask people for money, especially when businesses were shutting down. Um, we just, it, we, we didn't, we were going to try to raise money for other organizations at that time more than for ourselves, but we, we didn't. It was, like I said, it was kind of a, like I said, we li- you, most of us lived through it, so you know what it was like. But for our organization, it was trying to stay relevant. And we did. It actually, COVID helped us. But again, mindset always helps too, right? And what ended up happening is, is actually in 2020, in the fall, there was concerns that ice hockey wasn't going to get going. And at that time, the state of Massachusetts, um, what they did is if you had an outside, outdoor sport, you were actually allowed to, re- you know, <laughs> you could regain your um you could regain playing you just had to wear i think you had to wear a mask i can't remember so anyway what we did is we said okay we're not going to launch a full season we don't know what ice hockey is going to do but what we will do is we'll do we did a skill development program and um so in october we literally had kids and hockey was then shut down for two weeks in in that in those two weeks we had like people just come and play which was great we went we ended up having like eight kids to like 20 kids and but we we kept our program going and it was also transition time for us because we because we knew that the rink was someday coming and we were promoting it at this point we wanted to make people realize that we were now a non-just a one season sport we were now transitioning into more of a you know six six to nine month um sport and especially that's what the rink was going to do for us so and then we had pickup in December. I mean, we had kids playing in snowbanks uh, on that basketball court. Brett Souza, one of our board directors, owns a landscaping company, and he plowed off the basketball court and made made it so that those little boards, uh, kind of like boards. And Brett's just a great guy, smart guy, really, really smart guy when it comes to what he does. Um, I could say all, all of our board of directors, all of them are very smart people. Uh, wouldn't we wouldn't be where we are without them? And um, uh, that was December, 2020. And like I said, we still had raised about 120 grand and, um, you know, we had, we had a long way to go. So I'm going to, I'm going to stop here and, um, uh, I'm going to pick up next time what happened in 2021 and, and how that ring came to fruition. But I, I did want to leave you guys with this and it's something that I've never posted publicly yet. I, we just, we just never did. And the truth is, I'll never watch it. Um, I'll watch my brother. I'll watch the mayor. I'll watch the senator. I'll watch Bob Sweeney. But I, I could care less to see myself talk. In fact, people ask me, do you ever watch yourself? I'm like, nah, I hate it. hate it. Um, uh, I would say when I was younger, I, I would watch it just to see what my mannerisms are and things like this. And I, nowadays, I, could, I don't. So anyway, the reason why I'm sharing all this is that the rink officially opened in 2023 on April 22nd. And we had a ceremony. And we had some speeches. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, my brother spoke. I spoke. Bob Sweeney spoke. The mayor of Gloucester spoke. And one of our senators, um, Senator Tar, had spoke. Great guy. Was just a person that was part of the process. Um, the mayor was a part of the process and all this. And it was a wonderful day. And I, I, cannot, I cannot tell you the feeling that well. Um what it's like to achieve something that you've worked so hard to achieve. It's one thing in my life that I feel like other than my kids, it's, it's something that I feel like I wish more people could, could experience it to go through a process of ups and downs, struggles, uh, reaching the top of a mountain only to start over again is on April 22nd of 2023. It's actually Ben Chicole's birthday, which will forever be 
you know, part of his life was this idea that we accomplished something that I think very few people thought we would actually do. And I don't care about proving people wrong in this situation. That has nothing to do with this. Because what makes me laugh is that my own sister, Candace, Kyle Edmonds, board of director, longtime Young Legends person, personnel player, they didn't even think we could do it. You know, they didn't think of it. And standing there in that rink on that day with all the people that came out to it, they were family, friends, players, Blades. Blades was a huge hit. I have a picture. I'm going to frame it. I think someday is it's my nephew Tyler and my daughter Jasmine running at Blades. And if you don't know who Blades is, Blades is the mascot of the Bruins and he's a big fan favorite. Blades is, is the stud. And him being there and seeing the joy that those kids saw giving that big bear a hug um, was pretty special. And um, I will never disclose this, but I I actually got to meet who's inside Blades, and I told him you're you're a hero to many people, um, including adults. But um, that was a real privilege, and um, we're gonna post that ceremony online. Uh, we'll post on the Street Hockey Life. We never, I haven't even sent it to Young Legends, but I'll put it on the link. Um, thank you to 1623 Studios who did that. Um, Alec, who played in our league this year, he was great setting up the cameras, telling me where to talk, all that good stuff. But uh, if you want something to maybe help go to sleep, watch it. It's it's good. But there's some good stories in there from Danny, from myself, um, some nice things that are said. Bob Sweetie, great speaker, by the way. And um, he speaks a little bit. He's awesome. So feel free to check it out. But what I want to leave you with this is that I kind of gave you the insight as to, you know, how we got to the halfway point of this rink. And one thing that I will share with you is that that was a really special day being on that rink that day and the amount of people that congratulated not only me, but my family. Um, there was a tremendous amount of hard work for my dad, my brother, my, my sister, but even more importantly, my wife. I mean, the amount of times that she sacrificed, you know, taking care of our kids so I could go to a certain meeting and she was there for all the big meetings. Like if I went, if I had to speak in front of a city council, she was there, she was there to, she was there to go to those meetings. If there was a meeting that, you know, she went to these meetings, whether or not she wanted to or not, she, she was there and she's, she's coming up on the podcast soon where she's going to talk about our women's league. And, um, what I will say, what I'm trying to say is that day is that that day will forever be a milestone for young legends for me personally, my family and my parents, my, my siblings and their families. But what I will say is that it's been a tremendous journey, and that day was the you know the culmination of really of all hard work coming together for so many different people. And there's a what people don't know is that there's there's more to that story. There's there's more to it than anybody will ever see. And that's why if you're trying to achieve things in your life, if you're trying to whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. You know, whether it's go to medical school, graduate school, become an engineer, um, start your own street hockey program, start your own rink, whatever. There's going to be so many people along the way that are going to tell you their own opinions. There are going to be people there that are genuinely going to be there to help you. And there's going to be people there that, that don't care. And you kind of have to sift through Um who you want to trust, who you want to divulge information to, who you want to believe, who you want to be mentored by. And just know that someone like me is always there to sort of help you along the way and hope you are successful. Um, because that's the only way we get through life sometimes is with the help of others. And I had a ton of help. You know, we had a ton of help with this process. And um, so feel free to check out that video. Um, it's like I said, it's, it's, there's, there's a ball drop. There's a ribbon carbon ceremony. There's literally a ribbon. <laughs> like I said, it could be a good bedtime stuff for you. I don't know. To go to sleep, too. It might not. You know. But like I said, uh, thank you for tuning into this podcast, this episode of the first one in the new year. Um, I'll be back with the follow-up to sort of explaining the rest of the ring process, um, how it came to be. But like I said, if you want to actually get into the rink, um, that's a good place to start. And take a look at our Facebook page on Young Legends. And uh, like I said, thanks again for tuning in. Sorry, I've been we've been away for so long. I like I said that Danny and I, our schedules got really incredibly busy. Um, 
with just getting the rink up and running, running our programs. And in part two of this talk about the rink, I also talk a little bit about building our programs, what sort of challenges we face and, um, and go from there. But anyway, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, as always, if you have any questions, any, any comments, uh, you want to, anybody wants to jump on the podcast with us, feel free to reach out to the street doctor life on Facebook. Um, also going to be bringing in a new producer, Troy Edmonds. Um, Troy's going to be helping out producing the, the podcast a little bit. So I'm looking forward to working with him. He's a great friend of mine as well. Uh, Kyle's brother, uh, instrumental in our summer program. Um, won a few championships now. So, uh, anyway, I hope everybody's doing well. Like I said, if, if, uh, if you're tuning in, we appreciate it and, um, more stories to come on, on the rink. And so I will, um, just turn my camera off one last time and say, like I said, if you want to achieve anything in your life, just be prepared for that for that journey and, and enjoy it. And um, we'll see you next time on the Speed Hockey Life.